1: Welcome along to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. It's your midweek episode. My name is Ruri Barlow. I'm joined by Roman de Arquer. We're just catching our breath. I'm I'm sure in the coming days, hopefully we'll catch some sleep as well after another hectic transfer window. It wasn't too hectic in La Liga, but they do tend to keep you up. And in particular, in Barcelona's case, they do keep you up, don't they, Roman?
0: They do, and I thought actually I would be staying up until late, but in this case, it wasn't maybe the most exciting uh, transfer market. I personally never really believed the Amrabat rumors thing was going to go ahead and and work out, and there was the ad option coming from uh, the MLS, which we still don't know 100% if it's been confirmed or or it's not been confirmed. We have to wait and see to the very last minute if there's going to be any updates on that, but... uh, Quite quiet for what we're expected usually here at Barcelona, but at least some other clubs did get some last-minute business through.
1: Yeah, as you mentioned, there there was quite a bit of business towards kind of the bottom end of La Liga. Atleti had a couple of deals in and out. Matt doherty signed off free from Tottenham. Felipe went to Nottingham Forest for two point three million, which I think is maybe the deal of the transfer window, given he only had six months of his contract there. Uh, but was there anything that kind of stood out to you, firstly from deadline day? Uh, Roman, was there any transfers or deals that you think could be significant going into the second half of the season?
0: Well, personally, um, I did like very much the uh, signing of Denis Suárez uh, by Espanol. I think he's definitely going to be a big boost in that midfield. I think Espanol were needing signings and they finally uh, did make quite a few. I have to be honest, most of them I, I don't really know aside from Denis Suárez Pacheco and because Pacheco I th- also think he's a great keeper to, to to have signed because I think he was going to be a star at Almería but then Fernando has just been impressive this start of the season and so I mean it's a good chance for him because I think now he could have important minutes and we've seen what he's done he was one of the best goalkeepers back in the days with with Alaves you know so I'm I'm pretty impressed with those ones I'm quite curious to see how Ayotz adapts here to the the Spanish league of course he already played previously in Tenerife he knows the Spanish football but uh, it's been a while since we haven't seen him around and I want to see if he's really uh, a good player for Betis I think he should be a good signing but of course he's not a player used to scoring tons of goals and I feel like Betis do need a bit more in that department. They need more goals because Borja Iglesias, he's been okay, but he hasn't been incredible. And, you know, uh, I don't know if say will provide too much in that sense, but he's definitely an interesting player to to have and, and watch, uh, among others, that uh, came in these last uh, few, few, the last day, we could say. Yeah,
1: and Maron went out on loan to, to Las Palmas to allow that deal to happen. Paul akuoku was rumoured to be coming in at Espanol as well, but that deal didn't get done that stalled and even manuel pellegrini in his pre-match press conference for for the Betis barcelona match which is taking place on wednesday night and sort of after we record uh was saying that he's not in the squad but i don't know what's happening with it and it's stalled so i'm sure that will come out of course the most significant story i don't know if do you want to take the lead on the Pathesis uh drama it was really i mean you go ahead you go ahead well, okay, so Rayo Vallecano, Mathieu de who's a pretty good player, he had, he had agreed a deal with uh, Leon. it was, to go to, to Liga, and it was six million plus five million in variables with Rayo Vallecano, deals all done, Pate was at the sort of Rayo complex to, to get this deal done before Raúl Martín Presa enters the scene. Now, we know Presa, if you've been following Spanish football for any length of time, you will have come across this character can be uh, difficult to deal with at times. And usually he pulled the plug on this deal right at the last minute. Everything was agreed. Then he asked for further a further million euros. And that's the story that's been coming out of Rayo this morning. Pati says leaving the training ground, uh Union Rio were there to were on hand to kind of interview him and ask what happened. And he said the club has been disrespectful, it's been undignified, they have They've been selfish. They've been e- egotistical, and at the end of that kind of rant, they asked him, "Was it Professor? as always?" And uh, so yeah. <laughs> and this is the same Professor that we have to remember, who's Raul de Tomas's agent, who is now at the club. Actually, I think it was a headbutted uh, the yeah, president in the nose, in the nose, and sent him to hospital in September. So this is two two sort of transfer windows in a row where he's been very much in danger of being physically assault. and <laughs> um, so that was kind of certainly my highlight in terms of drama but obviously kind of feel a bit bad for who clearly was was very keen to make that move moving on to Canada kind of transfer window on the whole was there any deals that kind of stood out obviously Joao Felix moving to Chelsea on loan that looked like a big signing at the time but Chelsea have kind of outdone themselves with, with various other deals now and um, but was there anything that stood out to you from a Spanish perspective
0: well I guess um I'd be talking about Sevilla in this case. I think they really needed to to get it right, we could say, this uh, transfer market. And I think bringing back, back Ocampos was a wise move. We've all seen what he's capable of doing at Sevilla. He's an important, He was an important player for them. I think he could be again. And obviously, uh, in the same um, line as, as Ocampos, we could talk about Barranquilla. I think he's also going to be a very interesting addition. As I said, Sevilla really needs... Uh, these new players coming in to, to to work, to make things click, because they're in a very, very complicated situation. Little by little, they seem like maybe they're starting to climb out, out of that position, but uh, it's uh, very important for them to to make this work. And then maybe, I'm not surprised, but uh, I'm interested to see how Memphis Depay, for example, will adapt to Atletico de Madrid. I think he's a very uh, valid player, take into account that Atletico... Uh, can't afford to spend much money and that they needed somebody else to replace Joel Felix. I think that kind of the, one of the best moves they could have found at this uh, Price is probably Memphis, you know, so I think that's that's a pretty reasonable deal for them And and if we, obviously now he has experience in La Liga after this his while at Barca And I think he could he could be of help to them it will be interesting to see how it goes even though it's true here already played his first minutes of the game, but uh, there's still much more to see from him So I think for now these are maybe uh, the more standout and then I'm also quite interested to see how um Jorge Meré, he's a centre-back who's signed by Cádiz, adapts to La Liga. Because I remember back in the days with Sporting, he was a very young and exciting prospect. He moved to the Bundesliga, um, where he ended up going down to second division. They came back up, but then he went all the way to the other side of the Atlantic. uh, And he hasn't really done much there, but I'm hoping to see if if he can actually be uh, an interesting player again because I mean he's only 25 years old and I think uh, he could help that Cali defence if he's still at the level I remember him so that's another one I'm I'm going to be interested in keeping an eye out for.
1: Yeah definitely and, and one that I would sort of highlight was Salim Amala who uh, well Tom Harris is, is of, of this parish has been very complimentary of him and uh, <laughs> seems like a decent signing along with Carl and really bringing in the kind of World Cup stars at uh, or well <laughs> niche stars at Valladolid so a so couple to keep an eye out. They're at the bottom of the table. As you say, I quite, I quite like to ask business as well. I think uh, Denis Suarez on loan for five months when you're at the bottom of the table is uh, is very, very good business. Um, mm. And also, yeah, on Memphis, I've been pretty steadfast. that I think he could be a really good signing for them. And at that value, I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer. But at the same time, I think he'll only be a good signing if he gets fit and if only finds a role for him. And I think that's, that's of course. the problem is because how, how much faith do you have in Simeone to actually find a role for, for Memphis? Because we've seen plenty of attackers come through at Leti, like Joao Felix, and not.
0: Yeah, I mean, there is always a risk with Simeone, and it's true that usually he doesn't tend to play uh, new players immediately. It takes time for him to actually make them um, adapt to a system, etc. But at the same time, I think there's a kind of a need uh, for Atletico to play uh, different players because, of course, of, with uh, Joao Felix leaving and Cunha leaving, uh, there's not much left there. And um, we know that uh, Chola doesn't always rely 100% on Morata, even though he's probably his main star at the moment. He does get benched usually. Obviously, Griezmann not being a, a, a number nine, but still being a very important offensive weapon for him. Then there's uh, Correa, who plays now and then. So I think I think Memphis will get his opportunities. I think he will be playing. I mean, uh, it's, true to, it's true that... Uh, you might have questions regarding whether he can adapt, as, as we were saying. But uh, I think he's he's a good player. I mean, Memphis has been all around. He knows what it's all about, and he's he's got a lot of quality. So I'm sure that uh, at some point he can he can prove important, at least playing more in a, in the, towards the middle, a, a center forward role. Not so sure if he'll play as much in the wing. I think he he isn't as good as he used to be. Because I remember back when he was at United, he was more of a winger. But then he he's lost a bit lost a bit of that pace, or at least that's the feeling I got at Barca he was more direct before now he tends to stop the ball to take more of his time hold, um, hold the ball also because he's got um, physically he's quite strong so in that sense i think a, more of a number 9 role he might be playing now and then but yeah it'll be interesting to see if he can adapt but i think he he can be useful at least uh, for what's coming uh, until the end of the the season
1: yeah i definitely agree and just to wrap up kind of part one of this there's obviously the gavi issue gavi has been registered Kind of, he has. So, what the situation as it is is Barcelona appealed the fact that they weren't able to register Gavi to uh, to well, sort of a commercial court in Barcelona. They have grant, granted granted the cautelar, so they've kind of granted them permission to register Gavi until the judgment is made. So there is a situation here where Gavi is registered now, and then the judgment further down the line takes away this this. Uh, Well, yeah, the permission to register him as a first team player. Could you give us kind of an insight into kind of the politics in behind this man?
0: Well, I mean, we can clearly see that Barca is uh, getting used to uh, working uh, a lot in courts and finding ways to to getting past La Liga's uh, blockades, blockages, or whatever you want to call them. And uh, we saw with the Lewandowski red card where they managed to get him to play at least one more game before the sanction came through, and now. Again, they've uh, managed to convince the court uh, at least temporarily that uh, Gabi is, should be allowed to to be signed up because, of course, after getting uh, rid of a few players like Memphis, like Pique, who, of course, uh, left at the end of, of, the, of the last year and now also Bayerin, he's also probably left a little bit of space there. Then uh, they've given permission for, for Gabi to be uh, registered. And, of course, La Liga have, have complied with this, even though Tebas is saying that they are going to try and fight it back, apparently, or are they are going to wait and see how this is ruled out further on? Because they're not fully convinced. They have, I guess, their their opinion and their views and, and their um, data regarding this and think that it's not uh, something that should be taking place. But uh, at the moment, one uh, nil for Bars in this sense. And let's see if uh, it's, it sticks or in the end they have to change things around. But hopefully... We can let it stand, you know, because it's a bit annoying having all these players uh, pending on a renewal and not being allowed to, to, to get that renewal go forward, you know, so, which is a bit uh, stupid. But let's see if we can finally get it right.
1: Yes, genius marketing move by Barcelona to not only have fans <laughs> celebrating signings, but celebrating players just being registered. <laughs> exactly. But on that note, we'll, we'll close up part one and we'll move on to part two where we're going to discuss... Gennaro Getuso and Valencia and all of well that mess um, and more Voro, it has to be said um, <laughs> and we'll also come on to Rayo Vallecano who beat the Real on Monday but don't go anywhere we'll be back in two minutes.
0: That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com ACAST.
1: Welcome back to part two of the La Liga Lodem podcast. It's Rory Barlow, it's Roman Darker. We are chopping up sort of the rest of the Spanish football news and a couple of games as well, sort of one to preview, one to review um, before we get into that though we have to discuss Valencia who have Boro in charge for an eighth time. He has, he's outlasted, I think it's everyone but two of the last nine managers in terms of games, so in, in total Boro I think he's now up to 45 games which is more than seven of their last nine managers. Valencia are a mess, but what is there something new that you can say about this man? What 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 can we say?
0: Well, I mean, I can't really give much more insight than what pro- people probably know, but um, it's definitely just another example, I'd say, of how badly run this club is at the moment. Uh, because um, it's just incomprehensible how every season there seems to be similar problems I mean it's true that some managers have lasted a bit longer maybe like Bordalas etc but uh, at the, at the m- minute there's something going wrong and the results maybe aren't going as planned they already panic things happen and gatuso has gone we can't say for sure if it's Gatuso who've left or if it's uh, the board that decided to get rid of him or, or if there was some, some sort of agreement on both sides we don't know uh, but uh, just as we were saying maybe a few months ago before the World Cup how Gattuso seemed to be implementing a new way of playing football, attractive that seemed to 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 be worth, you know, what he was doing. Like they they could this could have a bit of a future, maybe. Uh, then this I don't know where a bad streak of results comes, and then of of course Gattuso has gone now, and we have to wait and see who's going to come on. If it's Bodo going to be all the way through, or if uh, out of nowhere Peter Lim is going to bring one of his friends uh, surprising to surprise everybody and put him in charge. Uh, but whatever, no matter the, the, the situation though, it's it's always the same, you know, uh, no matter what's happening, it's always negativity in, in Valencia, it's always things going wrong, of course, also uh, t- in terms of signings, there's always a little margin for them to, to maneuver, or at least that's what the board wants us to, to think, uh, they did bring, of course, some in the summer transfer market, but now in this uh, window, there's had there's been no activity at all, of course rumors are always taking place, but uh, nothing aside from that. And uh, Valencia is a team that should be in Europe. I mean, it's they're an historical Spanish team. They should be fighting for Champions League uh, positions. They should be at least fighting for Europa League positions, but. It's been a long time since there've really been actual contenders to that, and uh, it just seems like the ship is sinking deeper and deeper with every uh, season that goes pa- that comes by or goes past. And I don't know. Uh, I think that the, the hope for most of Valencia is for for Peter Lim to finally uh, let go and and let someone else take charge, and, and I feel the same way. You know, I, I empathize with those because uh, I just feel bad for this historical club, and it's just always problem after problem and of course we have Paco Polito on board usually who tells us all about the situation and you can see how f- fed up he is with, with all that's going on and it's just uh, really sad to see such a, a grand club uh, having to go through all of this
1: Yeah I feel we've almost done Paco a kindness by making sure that he's not on this podcast because because I'm sure that it, it's, it's tough to go through this again as you say it's this kind of repeated pattern and I think one of the things that stands out as well is that, yeah, okay, the, the players that they have are better than the sort of other teams that are around them. They should be performing better, but the amount of good managers that have come and passed through under Peter Lim, I think, well, Marcelino's probably the only kind of unanimous success, you could say. I think the fact that, I think, Harry Garcia perhaps isn't a star manager, but he's, he's good, he's, he's I, I, quite, I quite rate him as a manager, especially kind of in the mid-table, so in Bordelas we've seen his record and he has his detractors but he's always been successful up until this kind of Valencia side and you can determine what is and what isn't success now but Gattuso is just another one on the kind of chopping block and until until the board until the leadership so show some sort of change it seems unlikely that whoever they bring in is actually going to sort of swivel this ship around and get it going in the right direction again because no matter how many starts the season you have you have these kind of repeated managers come in try to imprint their version on it and it's it's just yeah it is it is pretty depressing um, and in terms of what you're saying Lei Hun Chan who's the president said today that uh, Gatuso came to them on Sunday said that he didn't feel he could turn the situation around so that's the version of events they're going with um, and and she has also said that Valencia are not up for sale, that they're not looking for a buyer. So it does seem like we're still in a bit of a status quo. Um, and we're back again with Voro for the eighth time. Um, and hopefully he can, he can inspire a reaction. Of course, Voro's first game, terrific. Real Madrid away at the Santiago Bernabeu is exactly what you don't want if you're Valencia, if you're Los Che. But Real Madrid, coming on to them, just kind of briefly, because I think, well, they're now five points behind in the table. There's been doubts about them. They've had a few injuries. Carlo Ancelotti was, was pretty sort of frustrated with the calendar today. He said that there's a limit. We've got to stop this. We're, we're at the point where if these players get too tired, then it's all over. The spectacle's gone kind of thing. So, so yeah, it's not all rosy at Real Madrid, but there were kind of signs of positivity on Sunday night against Real Sociedad.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Real Madrid, we, we, we have been saying lately that they are going through a bit of a rough patch, but they're getting it, the job done mostly, you know. Uh, they're getting the results they need, and this is kind of a typical time of the year where, where Madrid tends to struggle a bit. Their uh, momentum starts to slow down. They start to drop points, but then usually after February or so, they start to recover and, and, and get back to their old selves. So we'll have to see um what they can do in the rest of the month they have here February to to in terms of getting the results and of course they have the the FIFA Club World Cup in between which usually isn't too complicated to win let's be honest you know the the level there isn't as, as strong as it is here in La Liga or, or in the Champions League etc so we'll see uh, if they can win it but I expect them to 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 manage to do so and against Valencia I mean we just talked about them you know how how they're going through this rough patch of course having boredom might even give them a bit of confidence because we know that he usually gets decent results uh, for for the club when he's in charge um he usually has enough to motivate his team for uh the, the short while he's on so i mean uh, i wouldn't expect them to be super uh worried of getting destroyed against Real Madrid because as i said not just the confidence he may provide but also the fact that Madrid aren't at their best uh but at the same time i don't fully see them capable of beating Real Madrid um, at the Bernabeu, you know, so honestly I think uh, they'll try their best to, to keep it, uh, to keep a short scoreline, concede as little as possible, be be strong defensively and hopefully have options in attack because of course they have, they have quality up front, they have Cavani, uh, Castillejo, etc., so I mean they'll have their options for sure, so we'll see what happens, but in the end I do think Real Madrid should uh, uh, have enough to, to win the game even though they're going through this little rough patch uh, as we mentioned
1: and Valencia, obviously still only a point above the relegation zone how much danger are they in of going down
0: well i mean it's a good question this season it feels like everybody not everybody but so many clubs are in danger uh, down there it's really uh, packed quite tightly i mean Valencia not long ago seemed quite comfortably at least if you were looking at the standings you know they were towards the middle higher up and now suddenly they just dropped down after uh, a bad streak of games with uh, three defeats in one draw you know so things change very quickly and there's definitely a risk i mean now it's just uh, one point away there from relegation you know uh, so if they lose and uh, cadiz get results they could be down there at the bottom. So, I mean, there's definitely options of going down. Uh, th- th- as I said, this this season is just it's, it's so entertaining in that sense if you're not supporting any of those clubs, of course, uh, because you feel like uh, this fight uh, to avoid relegation could go uh, right until the end, you know, of, of the competition, of the 38 uh, rounds of La Liga. So, I mean, Valencia have to be very, wary, very careful because... Uh, Sevilla were way beneath them and look they're now on top of them in the standings too so I mean it's it's complicated and they need to make sure uh, they can avoid any scares because as I usually say when you're down there it gets harder and harder to climb out.
1: Yeah and and on that note Elche obviously gone they're done but uh, Hitafi are probably the only side on worse form than Valencia in in kind of recent weeks so uh, certainly one to keep an eye on and uh, plenty to be concerned about if you are Voro one side that won't be going down a Rayo Vallecano. Well, at least I don't think so, touch wood. But, <laughs> okay. uh, and Daniel Raola inspired them to another really good victory away to Villarreal, 1-0. And it's, it's, it's one of those wins that you, uh, you sort of take your heart off them and just go, well, Rayo, as much as things are going wrong off the pitch, on the pitch, somehow they seem to maintain themselves as being one of the best of the rest, kind of outside of those European places almost.
0: Yeah, Rayo are surprising us uh, once again. Maybe they, they're they not playing as incredibly as, as last season where, you know, they had that incredible uh, first uh, half of a season in La Liga where they were incredibly good at home. This season, they've been a bit more unpredictable in that sense, but they're still getting the results, you know, at the standings. They're also in a relatively comfortable position. Uh, as you said, they shouldn't go down. That would be a massive, uh, unexpected situation because at the moment, you know, they're they're with 29 points extremely close to those... Uh, European positions conference the europa league etc they're they're right there in the mix so uh they could be looking up to 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 qualifying unexpectedly uh next year for europe so i mean if they can keep up this level with the manager they have i think they can because i think iraula is a fantastic um man to have in charge of your club i think he could be going places in the in the near future and it's true that you, that it's kind of funny to see the contrast because uh, we have the president on top which you'd expect that with a guy like him uh, the club might be going through a more complicated situation but somehow he's making things work despite not being um, friendliest of people towards like fans we could say, Rayo Vallecano fans, many of them can't stand Presa and and as we saw uh, yesterday for example in the deadline, uh, Pate Cis is not happy at all with him Uh, and there's many uh, players that I'm sure that uh, have a similar uh, opinion about uh, Presa but you know in the end what's important is what's happening on the field are the results or the football you're playing and at the moment Rayo Bahicano, uh are doing a great job and, and winning uh, against Villarreal a la Ceramica is no joke you know that uh, takes a lot of a lot of um, valor as we say in Spanish uh, I, don't, I forgot the word but it doesn't matter courage uh, it yeah. takes a lot of courage courage that's it <laughs> it takes a lot of courage to, to beat them there and because Villarreal have been looking really good lately with, with Setien so uh, credit to Iraola and his men
1: yeah, what we've really learned from this kind of second half of the podcast is that Valencia should have gone hell for lever after Iraola because he's clearly the man <laughs> that can make it work under dodgy presidents. Um, just one final quick thought. Kike Setien, have a quick check-in on him. How do you think he's doing? Because he had that Real Madrid victory, massive, um, after being under pressure. How, how, how are Villarreal rolling for your, for your money?
0: Well, I mean, um, they're doing pretty well. Uh, of course... Uh it's still been a short time since Kike Setién has been in charge. We we have to be realistic, you know. It was uh, towards the end of last season, uh, last season, last year, sorry, uh, that he came on board and he was going to go out. Now suddenly uh, the team's playing really well. And lately maybe they've, there's been, not a slump, but they haven't get, been getting as, as good results as maybe we'd expected after that uh, incredible win they got against Real Madrid. Because after that we know that they drew against uh, Celta de Vigo. Uh, they got knocked out by Madrid themselves in the Copa del Rey, even though Villarreal really had it there in their hands, you know, they were winning 2-0 and uh, I think there it comes more down to the players uh, closing themselves down, you know, and it's Real Madrid who always put a lot of pressure on you and of course that isn't easy and and then they did get that really tight win against Girona where Gazania was just on fire saving everything, he looked incredible. But, I mean... And then, of course, they lost against Rayo. But, I mean, Real have have been getting chances. I mean, I've been seeing uh, their games, etc. And they, they're generating still a lot of good football. They're just maybe missing an attack... Uh getting more goals and of course that's why I, back in summer they wanted another striker and now I'm surprised to see that they not only just let go of Danjuma, but they haven't brought anyone in to to replace him to help out in attack and we know that Nico Jackson was about to leave also and in the end he's staying so he's probably not too happy about being there so it feels like there's not really much more aside for Gerard Moreno of course Chukwete is, is looking better with, with Kike Setien than he was with Emery but still he's not a, a a uh, guy that can provide too many goals, like Pino. You, know, you know, their their quality going forward. They can assist. They've got a lot of technical abilities, but when it comes to goals, they'll give you a few, but not much more. So if if there's another Moreno injury, that would be very very uh, troubling for N. But at the moment, I think he's doing a, a very good job, and hopefully he can keep this up.
1: Yeah, I feel like if he if he'd had just one of those Celta or Rio games back as a win then it would be really sort of on form for Villarreal and the yellow submarine cruising. But we will bring the podcast to an end at that point. Thank you very much for your time, Roman.
0: Thanks for having me as always.
1: And if you do want to check out more of our content, go and check us out on Substack. I've had a wee piece about Denis Suarez finally being freed from Celta Vigo uh, to Espanyol. But if you want to find out more about Boro, as you should, then Sam Leverage has also kind of profiled a little bit what's happened there and the man behind the now, I think we can call it a myth and a legend. <laughs> but yes, uh, go and check us out on Substack, at LaLiga Lowdown on Twitter, and we'll be back with you after the weekend.